0: What a great song. Thank you. And I, man, I was just captivated by the words of that song, too. I don't know about you, but I listen to Contemporary Christian Radio, and I can't always make out the words. And so I just kind of sing along, and if I don't know the words, I make them up. But, but um, here, I mean, you can see the words. And I was thinking about a plank-eyed sinner. What is that in reference to? Take the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck out of your brother's eye. The parable. What some great, great phrases in that song. Wow. We've been talking about the church the last three Sundays. And uh, the first Sunday, we talked about who is the church. and We talked about believing in Jesus and loving like Jesus and walking with Jesus and telling others about him. The next Sunday, we talked about the relationship of the church. What is it? We're the body of Christ Neatly fit together, and everybody has a function, just like every part of the body has a function and a purpose. Last week we talked about what's our what's our purpose, and we looked at the Great Commission to go and make disciples. How do we do that? Going, baptizing, teaching—that's our purpose. Now, how do we how do we undergird all these things? There are some practices that the early church did that prepared them for their mission for their purpose. And it's in Acts 4, verses 23 through 35. Acts 4, 23 through 35. The sermon's entitled, Getting Back to Basics. Getting Back to Basics. Don't you hear coaches say that a lot? If they, if they lose a game they're supposed to win, they say, we just need to get back to basics? Something like that. Just, just get, what are the basics of the church? What are we supposed, to, the, the least common denominator, what are those things that we are supposed to, to practice as the church? In Acts 4, verse 23, it says, When they released, and this is talking about Peter and John, who were brought before the Sanhedrin and charged not to tell anybody anything else about Jesus. So when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who by the mouth of our father David thy servant... Didst by thy Holy Spirit say, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves in array. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against the holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and thy plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to thy servants to speak thy word with all boldness, that while thou stretchest out thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of thy holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the company of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to each as any had need. Let's bow together. Father, it's one thing to read scripture about a church 10,000 miles away 2,000 years ago. It's another thing to see how that applies to us, First Baptist in Tifton in 2013. Help us to see the basics that are important components of any church whom you bless and whom you use and can work through. Help us be that church. In Jesus' name, amen. Bob Lilly was the defensive tackle. Do you remember him when the Dallas Cowboys were America's team? Big guy, great guy. And somebody interviewed him one time and said, Mr. Lilly, what's the difference between playing football in the seventh grade and playing football as a professional football player? And Lilly thought about it for a minute. He said, well, we do the same things. We, we punt and pass and kick and run and, and block and tackle and all those things, but as professionals, we just learn how to master the basics. As professionals, you just learn how to master the basics because professional football is running and passing and kicking and blocking and, and tackling and, and all those things, the same things you do if you're in seventh grade or high school or college or professionals. But as a professional, you learn how to master the basics. And I think the same is true in church. There are basics that we as a church are called to do, that are a part of every church. And to the extent that we accomplish these basics, that we practice them and work on them and perfect them, will determine the success of our ministries. Peter and John were interrogated and intimidated or, or threatened by the Sanhedrin and Uh, The Jewish high court, they were threatened by them and told them to speak no more of this Messiah. But instead of being intimidated, they dedicated themselves to these basic principles that are contained in these verses here. It says they went back and spoke the word with all boldness. They tried to hush them. They tried to quiet them, but it just made them even more bold in spreading the gospel. And these are the things that churches need to do in order to prepare us to go out into the world, fulfill our purpose, which is what? Make disciples. We talked about our purpose last week. So what are those basics? I gave you a little worship outline. The first, one, or, the first one is worship. Verses 23 and 24. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lift, what did they do? They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And they just go on praising the Lord. They come back from being threatened by the high high court, the Supreme Court of the Jews, and they come back, they tell their brothers and sisters in Christ what had happened to them, and they respond in just praising the Lord all the more boldly. What is worship? Worship is our... Response to God for who he is, what he has done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. Worship is focus on God. A lot of folks come into church and and the focus they think is on them. The focus, everything we do here points upward to God. Let Let me give you an analogy to kind of help you figure this out. Soren Kierkegaard came up with this Danish philosopher a long time ago. He said, typically when you come into worship, the focus is on the stage, and the folks up on stage are seen as performers. That that is instinctive because it's like going into a theater or going into, you know, some kind of show or something. The people up on stage are the actors. Um, God is the one prompting us up front, and you sitting out in the pews are the audience. Isn't that how most people view worship? Soren Kierkegaard said that is upside down, totally. He said true worship. You are the actors. You are the ones performing. I am the one up here prompting you. And God is the audience. We we worship and, and and what we do is for him. The focus is on him. It's not about us. So actually, I suppose I should be sitting out here, and all of you should be up on the on the stage. And you should be conducting worship. And I will be encouraging you and guiding you, and God will be the audience. And whether or not we are successful, whether or not he is pleased, will determine how well you focus your attentions on him. Worship is important because it puts us in touch with God and with the world the way it really is. Sometimes as we go through life, we get things mixed up and we take the focus off of of God and we think maybe he's not in control and we put the focus on the world and it gets larger than it needs to be verse 24 says when they heard it they lifted up their voices and said sovereign lord who just make the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them you know sometimes you just need to stop and think about that god you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it and when you do that it kind of puts everything in perspective the sanhedrin doesn't seem as powerful as it once did Their threats don't seem quite as frightening as it once did because you're here to worship the sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that they contain. And when you realize that, Herod and Pontius Pilate diminish, God increases, and it's an opportunity to put things in perspective the way it's supposed to be. That's why it's important because worship reminds us of who God is and who we are and how great and awesome He is and how how wonderful it is to have the privilege to come into His presence and direct our praise toward Him. We come to church to worship. Whether or not you worship is entirely up to you. We we try to prepare things and we have you know, the, the songs they practiced and, you know, the sermon, the message, the prayers, everything. But it's up to you. Do you take this opportunity and, and focus your thoughts on God because He is the audience of worship. That's what they did. That's the first basic. The second thing was prayer. Verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And I... Um, It comes right on the heels of verses 25 and 26. Who by the mouth of our father David, thy servant, didst say by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things, and the kings of the earth set themselves in array, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed? And I started looking at those verses, and those verses are a quotation from Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. David wrote the Psalms. What are the Psalms? The Psalms are Israel's hymnal. So in the course of worshiping God, they—I think—they sang a song. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't to music, that they do. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? That they sang a song, they prayed. All this in the context of worship. So they come into they come into God's presence to worship Him. They sing, and they pray. What is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. Sometimes I hear people pray, and they lapse into all this. Um, middle English language oh God thou who didst save us and and rescue us and who wouldst and shouldst and all that and I'm thinking you know that you're, that's fine if you want to talk like that if you talk like that in everyday life but just talk to God you don't have to feign some kind of language to impress Him. God is a friend he is our father and we are his friends and if we talk to him and if we spend time with him what are you doing you're developing a relationship with him just like you would any friend here on earth you know some friends you're not close to other friends you are what's the difference you spend time with them you talk with them you listen to them you communicate with them and that's the way it is with God just talking to him as friend to friend that's what prayer is and it's important because it builds that relationship with God that we need and when we pray Verse 31, when it says, "When they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. When they prayed, God's presence was felt among them. They worshiped God, they sang, they prayed, and God's spirit fell on them in boldness. And that's why prayer is important because it puts you into touch with God and you can experience His fullness and His power because you're in relationship with him the basics of worship and prayer the third thing is fellowship verse 32 the company of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things which he possessed was his own but they had everything in common you know we talk about church fellowships all the time let me tell you a fellowship is more than just going over to the family life center and eating cookies and drinking punch We call that a church fellowship, but fellowship is more important, more involved than that. Fellowship is bonding our lives together as the people of God, as the family of God. And so the best image of fellowship is not eating around a table, which most of us envision when we think about a church fellowship. The best image of fellowship are strands of a rope. Wound to a strands a string round, wound together into a rope. That's what that's the kind of fellowship, that church is. That's the basic strands that singly, alone are not that strong, but when they are wound together and bound together in a rope, uh, can withstand all kinds of difficulty, and that's why fellowship is important. Because we can do more things together than we could ever do alone. So we come together in fellowship and we do missions and we do evangelism and we do backpack blessings and we do all these ministries that you just cannot do by yourself. Fellowship brings us together as the body of Christ and helps us do more together than we could ever do alone. Now occasionally someone will come up to me and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in belonging to a church. And I don't always ask this question, but I want to ask, well, then how do you go about obeying God's command to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth? You can't do that alone, but the church can. And as long as you're part of the church and you're one of those strands that is wound together into a rope, then think of all that you can accomplish through the church to obey God's command. You don't avoid that command just because you're alone, but when you combine with the church, obeying and obedience becomes possible. So there's worship, there's prayer, there's fellowship. Fourthly, there's witnessing. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Witnessing was a basic of the early church. Even in the threat of uh, the Sanhedrin told to hush, to be quiet, not to speak of Jesus, it just made them speak even more loudly and even more boldly, and they gave testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is witnessing? Let me tell you a story. A man went to a monastery one day, and he wanted to train to be a lay minister, and he uh, the, the prefect of the monastery said, the man said, you know, I'll, I'm willing to do anything, but just don't make me preach. I just can't preach in public. I'm, I'm nervous. And the prefect said, well, you know what? That's an important part. So tomorrow I want you to speak in chapel in the monastery. So the next day, the man, they come to chapel, the monks gather, and the man stands up and says, Brothers, do you know what I'm going to say? And all the men shake their head no. And he says, Neither do I. Let's stand for the benediction. Well, that evening, the prefect was furious and he said, I'm going to make you do it again tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're going to go into the chapel and you're going to preach. So they come into the chapel the next day, and the man stands up and says, Brothers, do you know what I'm going to say? And the monks nod their head yes. And he says, Well, then, there's no point in my saying it. Let's stand for the benediction. And now the the prefect is really mad. He says, we're going to try this one more time. And so they come into chapel the next morning, and the man stands up and says, brothers, do you know what I'm going to say? And this time they're confused. And some nod their heads yes, and some shake their heads no. And the man says, well, then let those of you who know tell those of you who don't. Let's stand for the benediction. That's what witnessing is. It's letting those of you who know know Tell those of you who don't. There are a lot of folks that don't know about Jesus. And we who do know have the, the, the privilege and the gift of that knowledge, not for our own enjoyment <laughs> or our own edification, but that we might be able to tell those who don't know the glorious news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have not only the privilege, but the responsibility. Those of you who know, telling those of you who don't. Why is it important? Well, let me ask you a question. What would have happened to the church if those early apostles had not witnessed? What would have happened to the church? It would have died. It would have been history before it had a history. What, was, what would happen to the church today If our generation does not witness, does not tell, how far are we away from extinction? How far are we away from losing the truth of the gospel? Just one generation removed. If one generation, one link in the chain fails to fulfill its its privilege, fails to be obedient to the command to witness, the church is a thing of the past. It's a relic. So God has given every generation the privilege of sharing the gospel. We have My Hope with Billy Graham coming up in a couple weeks. I've been listening on the radio. the, The ads are hitting the radio waves now. It's going to be on television. My Hope with Billy Graham, I hope you know what we're talking about. It's an opportunity to share with your neighbors the gospel. And and Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has prepared the materials and John's done training and there are packets of material available if you need help and you want to share and you want to be obedient to God's command to do that. Witnessing was a basic of the early church and it's a basic of today's church. It doesn't matter if it's first century church or 21st century church, Jerusalem or Tifton. The basics are the same. Worship, prayer, Fellowship, Witnessing. And the final one is giving. It's here. Verses 34 and 35. This is not my stewardship testimony. This is just thrown in for, for free. Um, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to each as any had need. Worship and prayer... Were like responses to God fellowship was response to each other um, witnessing was response to the world giving is our response to the church why the church because the church is God's instrument in the world to be a tangible conduit of ministry the church is an instrument through which our giving to God is made tangible Our giving to God is made tangible through the church. What is giving? What is is tithing? What is giving? Well, in Old Testament, the tithe is what? You know it. It's 10%. Is there anywhere in the New Testament where that percentage is rescinded? No. The Old Testament tithe is 10%, and Jesus talks about the tithe, and 10% is still the guideline. The problem with most churches is not that people aren't giving 10%. The problem is that a lot of folks don't give anything at all. And we're all challenged to be faithful and give as God has blessed us. Why? Because God commanded it. Because it's an act of obedience. Because it reflects our measure of trust in him to take care of us. If we're not willing to tithe, then what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you enough. I don't believe that you can take care of me with 90%. And so I'm not going to give you the 10% that technically is yours to start with. And you've just trusted us with 90% to be stewards over, to see how much we love you and believe you and are obedient to your command and trust you enough to, to let go of what is yours. There's some basics that we in the church need to keep going back to, I think, and they're modeled right here in this passage of the early church. Worship, prayer, fellowship, witnessing, giving. Those are the basics. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and decide, are are we in seventh grade or are we professionals? How well are we mastering these concepts that God has given us? How well are we doing as the church? Let's bow together. Father, as we come to be the church, maybe there's some of these areas that we are stronger in. Fellowship is easy as long as it's just, you know, eating some cookies and drinking some punch. But when it comes to really opening our hearts and lives to our brothers and sisters, it's a little more involved. Worship and prayer and praise we can do here on Sunday, but we also can carry that out to our homes and to our communities and to the world. Witnessing and giving are a little more difficult because it becomes personal, more intimate, and it requires a little bit more trust in opening ourselves up to you in ways that don't always come naturally. And so help us take a step of faith, God. And know that when we are being obedient to you, that you're not going to ask us to do anything that you won't enable us to do. Give us the power and the strength to do. So help us step out in boldness. In witnessing as Peter and John did, when when under the threat of persecution, they spoke more loudly and more boldly your holy name. And help us to trust you with our stewardship. To be faithful with the 90% that you have given us. And then see what you can do with the 10% that already belongs to you anyway. We love you. So help us reflect that measure of love by our obedience to these basics. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.